Welcome back for another helping of oysters, clams, and cockles. I'm Ross Bolin, here as always with my buddy Mr. Barrett Dudley to bring you the best TV shows and movies weekly in an easily digestible podcast packed with laughs. Barrett, one step forward, two steps back, as they say. You're in the studio. I am at home uh, being a responsible member of society with a cough, although I'm 99.9% sure I am fine. That's right. That's right. And um, it's, it's uh, you know, we've tried both at home, both in the studio now. Now we've got one in stew, one out of stew. We're just, we're trying, we're just doing our due diligence to make sure that we can make this happen in any, in any manner, in any such way. Um, it's an interesting atmosphere because I've got, I've got all these, uh, you know, these, these, these highfalutin fancy cameras in front of me here. Uh-huh, I've got a uh-huh. monitor over here with you on it. Nobody else is in the room with me because producer Mike is outside in the other room. He might as well be uh, in Houston at the spi- at the uh, at NASA. Right now, I'm feeling very much like um, I'm on the International Space Station. I'm even I'm losing gravity here as I spin in my uh, chair, and and I'm I feel like I'm in space and I'm just talking to to you on another planet or. Or another, um, you know, just in another, in another realm. Another dimension. Another dimension. Another dimension. Another dimension. Another dimension. Yeah, I got uh, you. Yeah, it also, also, I can see myself in this camera right in front of me, um, which you can see if you're watching on YouTube right now. And it's also the kind of the vibe of like me hosting one of these shows where I then, you know, I put something on the screen right here because you are, you're right there. Look, if you put your hand up, we can almost touch hands and it's, it's, uh, it's kind of cool. So, yeah, so we're doing all of the, we're just, we're manipulating technology. We're bending it to our will, and that's... Um, touch my hand. Well, boy, well, boy, that's exciting. T- touch it, though. Uh, uh, yeah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. No, uh, it's, that, that's great news. It's like, man. that was like the interstellar handshake right there. It was. It I, was. I, it, I, yeah, I felt your, felt your presence. Listen, during Space Month, uh, it couldn't be more appropriate. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about Space Force Season 1 for the final time. We're going to do a little Dave update. We're going to get into a little Last Airbender, which I know is huge, huge news for a lot of you, especially our younger listeners. And, then, of course, by the way, the spoiler-free Space Force will be spoiler-free discussion and Season 1 review uh, to kind of give my thoughts on whether or not people should watch the show. Because, Barrett, that's not one you watched, right? Space Force, I have not watched yet. No, no. Correct. Um, We're also going to do Angelina Jolie's top five. We got some tidbits and such with Barrett. It's going to be a great show. This episode of OCC is brought to you by Felix Gray Glasses. I have my uh, face in a screen from morning to night, as Barrett just mentioned. Between the two of us, literally right now, I think he has six or seven screens pointed at him in that room, and I have three directly in front of me. And it's all day, every day for me, baby. It's on the, I'm on the cell phone nonstop. It's just with our jobs in 2020 and with people working with social distancing and safely from home and such, it's never been more important that we take care of our eyes because too much screen time can result in tired, dry eyes, headaches, blurry vision, trouble sleeping, all symptoms that I have experienced in my time as a contact lens wearer since I was a young lad but not since I've been wearing my Felix Grey blue light glasses. Felix Grey launched in 2016 with the singular focus of offering the most effective computer glasses on the market with all the quality of brand name designer frames. They quickly became the internet's favorite blue light glasses, filtering out 90% of high energy blue light, eliminating 99% of the harsh glare coming from screens. 
which is just another incredible feature uh, and, and not a side effect, but another uh, effect of wearing Felix Grey glasses. You don't have nearly as much glare coming off of the screens as you do when you don't have them on. And I can say that as somebody who wears contacts normally during the day and then games at night with Felix Grey's on. I've got mine on right now because I just happen to be out of contact lenses that I would normally be wearing during the day. Love them. I've got the clear Faraday frames on. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see them right there on my face. Uh, I often have them on when I'm playing on twitch.tv slash boss rolling at night. They're available in prescription, non-prescription. They have readers. They've got you covered with optical glasses for work and sleep glasses in the evening that are clinically proven to increase melatonin secretion when worn leading up to bedtime. Why would you buy glasses from a company whose sole focus isn't making glasses? I trust Felix Grey because they make the best blue light glasses in the game. Go to felixgrayglasses.com slash OCC and get a pair of blue light glasses from the pros today. Shipping and returns are totally free. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R ayglasses.com slash OCC, felixgrayglasses.com slash OCC. Barrett, quickly. Let me get my cheaters. Let me get my cheaters out. (laughs) Oh, the cheaters. Uh, Be careful with all those. Be careful with all those screens um, of the 5G network, Ross. Yeah, you You got to do the 5G. 5G. 5G's out there, bro. And it's coming for all of us. It it really is. It's the, um, you know, uh, racism is the, is the real pandemic. The COVID-19 pandemic is the silent enemy, and 5G is the even more silent enemy. It's it's the twice as silent enemy. It's the twice as silent enemy. We, uh, we, we planned on discussing Dave season one in full this week, and we are not going to do that because I did not finish season one, and I quickly wanted to explain why. Dave, like several of the things I'm watching right now, is very funny. And it is a much more light and humorous view, uh, watch rather, than you and I have become accustomed to on this show. We found ourselves in this pocket recently where we've got a lot of humor and levity and it's much needed. And obviously that's a reflection of what we have going on in society. Um, But with Dave, I had just no, for no particular reason, I'd slotted it in as like my dinner show. So I get a couple episodes in when I'm eating dinner, right? Um, And what I found is I would, I would, basically either be ordering food or cooking food. And by cooking food, I mean putting something in the fucking oven. (laughs) And I would start watching Dave and I'd be laughing my ass off and it's hilarious. And then I would start eating and I would go, oh, I can't watch this right now. Because Dave is gross. There there are quite a a few moments in Dave that, um, yeah, that really get into some, uh, some interesting territory. But I, 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 I will also say, I, I think I still do think that it's telling. D- Dave does fall into the realm of Atlanta, where uh, this show has brought me to tears, um, both from laughing and from crying. And uh, I think that you did. Did you get through episode five? Yes. So you saw Hype Man, which yes. is that's not that funny. It's pretty fucking deep. Yeah, yeah. No, dude, don't get me wrong. This show like, goes into very important, deep, deep shit. So I, I would say it is telling, though, as, as to just where your mindset is exactly, that you blew through Space Force in, in about a week uh-huh. and started watching Dave like six weeks ago and have gotten through five episodes. Well, like That should tell fairness, you how, how not light Dave is compared to how light Space Force is. Fair, fair. And we'll get to Space Force. But the two I watched of Dave were the, okay, the first two episodes that I watched six weeks ago or whenever I first brought it up, those are mostly very light. They have funny ass moments. 
Uh, I think it's three or no, it is episode two or three. I can't remember it's where he three. ends up performing at the child's funeral, which is which is fucking oh, hilarious. Oh, oh, yeah. But it's you know it's a dark moment, and then Macklemore shows up, and it's the funniest thing of all time. But it, no, the show two. wasn't okay. Well, the show wasn't that deep yet. Wait, so the last time we talked, had you not I had seen, only seen this? a couple? I thought you'd seen the the rubber sex doll. I don't think I had, dude, because that okay. was one. I, maybe I was dude, mistaken. I, I, I made jokes about that because it's it, yeah. It's one I don't think I knew the, what the fuck you were talking about. So you just recently watched Hyposadius, which I'm sure is the one you're talking about that that dives into his actual his uh, penis, his penis defect, his downstairs yeah. mix up, as old Greg would say, um, and uh, also features. I don't know where they got that thing, but it's. I mean, good lord! It is it's it is the nastiest. It's the nastiest thing I've one of the nastiest things I've ever seen. All right, it's, it's also hysterical, but it is so so weird. When it falls out of the shower, when his girlfriend's in there peeing, I <laughs> laughed. It was I laughed so hard that I was in basically tears. Um, Does that episode also end with milking? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that Which, is a when this, that is a weird episode, bro. That is this is the one that took me three weeks to get through. Yeah. Because I kept trying to watch it when I was eating. But <laughs> it's also the one that solidified this as much must watch television for me. Um, this yeah. is this is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. That, bro, I was dying when his fucking... What is his roommate? Who is it? His, what, the, his ginger friend that they talk so strangely to each other. It is up. Not, it's not explained very well. I, and it is... I'm still not totally certain, and I've finished the season. But it's his best—it's his best friend from yeah. something. And he pulls and up, and the garage door opens. I—I I think maybe from college. I think that they went to college together. I think that's right. Because Els is is his high is like his childhood friend is a childhood right. friend of his. Right. And I think and I think uh, um, what's his face? Um, Ma- is it Matt? Mike. Mike, Mike is his college friend, I believe, but it's never, re- it's never explained very well. Or if it was, it doesn't I really was, matter. I They're best, really besties, best, best friends, right? Yeah. And the garage yeah. door starts opening when <laughs> they're both fully nude and little Dickie's underneath the table preparing to eat her ass through the milking hole. And I was, I mean, like, listen, this show was basically made for me. Uh, I smoke weed and I love rap music. And I love Lil Dicky, and uh, it it. But I did not realize it was going to be so funny and clever, and that it was going to get deep and dive into shit that actually does matter, not just silly ass shit about oh, his yeah. penis. Yeah. And, and now that you're through five, which deals with um, mental health, you're you're going to get to the next five episodes, which I believe that you'll be able to binge a lot more easily. Um, but they're also going to be, they're also b- basically each going to cover a relatively serious topic in, in some form or fashion. Okay. Um, and you'll get to, that's where just, uh, it's, it's what I consider bit, hype man on is kind of like the, the meat, the meat of the, of sure. the season really. Sure. And that's often the way it works with, uh, these more, I guess, deep and clever comedy shows. Mm-hmm. They build the first few episodes to give you the characters and the humor and they really get the tone right. And then they delve into the actual subject matter that they want to attack each episode, which is more actual subject matter and less just poopy and boner jokes. 
Um, and I can see, I could feel the momentum shifting like through episode two, three, four, but then five is, yeah, obviously the one where really you're, yeah. you're like, oh my, they're, they're going to talk about very serious shit. And then I believe we get even more into racial stuff, uh, in the back half of the season as well, which is obviously incredibly prevalent right now. So I'm going to take the time to properly finish out Dave this week. And because they're 20 minute episodes, they're easy. And because I got through the penis stuff, I should be good. And uh, and we'll talk about it in full next week because I really do think this show, Dave, for those of you who haven't watched it, watch it between now and next week or at least get some under your belt so you can be a part of the discussion because it is very much worth watching. And it is it is kind of an, a, for, a for everybody who can handle it show. And what I mean by that is it is there are a lot of really dirty ass jokes and a lot of really uncomfortable situations. Um, yes. which I think will eliminate a lot of older audience members. Maybe, maybe, yeah. But for those of us <laughs> who can handle the, the some, yeah. if you want to call it immaturity, I, it's you, this is it. You got to watch this. This is good yeah. for everybody right now to hear and see and has levity and it has some gravity to it that's important as well. Yeah. To move on from there, speaking of gravity, I finished uh, Space Force Season 1. Okay. And my general review, and I and I want to pitch you on it. Basically, is how okay. I want this segment to be. Um, I told you the first episode was one of the silliest things I've ever seen, and yes. then I was like, I got, I, oh my god, what has Steve Carell done? Like, blah blah blah. I told you I got through the next one and I couldn't stop laughing. And by episode three, I was like, okay, I sort of get it. Well, when you get to by episode seven, eight, nine, ten, they have almost achieved. All, and I say almost because I'm hesitant to give them full credit here, but the same kind of thing that they had going with Parks and Rec, the same kind of thing that they had going with The Office, where what you've got is a great core few couple main characters, really, mm-hmm. John Malkovich and Steve Carell, and then you've got an incredible surrounding cast of characters that they use in the same way they do on those other shows, yep. where it's you get invested in all these side stories and you get to know his daughter and a bunch of the other astronauts, and it's like... There's very much more to this show than initially meets the eye. That being said, what separates it from being as good as things like Parks and Rec or The Office is that it doesn't, it doesn't, they couldn't really go there in terms of, you saw some people saying, ah, it seemed like episode one was just going to be political and make fun of Trump. Well, they never get back to that really. It's always sort of in the background, but right. like this show doesn't say anything politically. It yeah, doesn't... it uses that as a launching pad, uh, pun intended, and then really kind of becomes, from what I understand, more of a workplace comedy. Yes, it is. A, so, it's more generic. It's not trying to be um, hot button issue pressing, fucking over the top clever. It's a. It's a. Le- and I'm not saying Parks and Rec ever did that, or like The Office did that. But those those shows said things on a deeper level than Space Force does. Sure, okay, sure. So, sure. like, The Office would end with you having some, you know, an episode, would, and some of them would end to just be silly as hell. But oftentimes they would end with a large takeaway about people working together, relationships, life in general, right. that had a level of depth to it that Space Force doesn't even try to go touch that. It gives you the most base-level version of that. Basically, like... You know, the episode will end and the message is like, you should you should always do right instead of wrong. And you're like, okay, tight. Yeah. Good. I like yeah. I feel good about well, this message. It's like you should be a good dad. Yeah, and and I I 
I'm I'm certainly going to give Space Force uh, a shot here as soon as I wrap up with uh, with a couple other shows. I'm spending a lot of time on Netflix right now between an office rewatch and um, I'm on the most recent season of Great British Bake Off, so I will have no more Bake Off to watch very very shortly. Oh, that's sad. Very um, sad. I have one more episode of Outer Banks to go. Wow. And so you know I'm 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 spending time on Netflix. It will be easy to jump into uh, to this short thirty minute ten episode Space Force and be through it very quickly. Uh, I'm quite positive. One thing that I will say that it could have going forward, you know, in in its corner here is it's important not to forget that on both of the shows that you mentioned in reference to Space Force, uh, Parks and Rec and The Office, the main characters, if you go Leslie Nope and Michael Scott, if you go back and watch season one of those shows, they are completely removed from the rest of the seasons of those shows. Like on, on each of those shows, they really had to, they put down like what they thought it was going to be in season one. And then they tw- and then they messed with all the dials, <coughs> fixing those main characters to make them uh, to to fit them into uh, the show that they decided they saw what they had created and they said, oh, you know what, we actually need to make Leslie Nope a little bit less of a of an obnoxious um, you know pest. She needs to actually be caring and good and want to work hard, be- not because she's an idiot, but because. She likes public service. Yes. And with Michael Scott, they saw what they had put down and they said, okay, you know what? This show doesn't have legs if everybody just absolutely hates Michael Scott. If he's too over-the-top cringeworthy with how many boundaries he he crosses he needs and, then is, and then isn't remorseful for it. So we need to make him a little bit likable and an adult, but kind of like, you know, well-intentioned, right? Instead right. of just being a complete Ricky Gervais style at asshole. Yes. So, you know, Space Force will have the opportunity to come in after this first season and play with the dials a little bit if it wants to. If it wants to, like, learn some things from season one and, and go some other places sh- and shift the show a little bit so that it can go into to, to different places. Yeah, absolutely. Which, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because it, it does feel like that is very much the possibility here. That, look... Like you said, like we said, it came out at a really weird time. And there are even a couple of jokes on the show where as a result of the now climate, they don't hit the way they would have before. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or they hit a little different and you notice and it's like, it's just uh, like, for, okay, so the first, well, I can't say what happened. Never mind, that'd be a spoiler. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but I could see that being very much the case. My favorite example is always Tony Soprano. If you go watch episode one, season one or whatever, his he talks completely differently than he even does in episode two. And by the end of season you know, three, he has the voice completely established and it never changes again, yeah, except yeah. for with age sort of. But they can tweak these characters and tweak the show. And as you put it with, with uh, Parks and Rec, they did a better job. And with, fuck, Michael Scott, too. It made it so you could put more empathy into the characters. Yes, absolutely. And so that you yeah. could build more emotional depth with them and, and the relationships that they have with each other. And that they have legs with here, too. Yeah, and, and, I, and I, I, ne- I'm not sure that Netflix does that as much because of the release model. Because right. they're dumping so much stuff at one time. Because every episode comes out at once. They're not getting that like that weekly feedback, basically, from right. a... Fr- from a watching audience it's kind of like people you know they churn through it they blast through it in a couple weeks or 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 fewer or less sometimes and then um they move on to the next show so there's there's less of that like feedback loop 
than there is on on uh, on a network show. But you know, they they could still. They absolutely could if they wanted to make make some sort of change. And what and so to close out my I guess review of the season um, for a show that starts off seemingly completely idiotic, it definitely maintains that feel, and you end up appreciating it. Um, it is very funny. There are very stupid moments that are just like anybody could laugh at this dumb shit. Physical comedy crap, and then there are v- deeper well-written funny jokes delivered by very good acting i mean obviously great cast here right um and again my argument for myself was you have to give steve carell a chance oh you're doing an office we watch right now right like you we this is a guy on the same level as like some of my other idols where if he puts something out i will at least give it a chance because he is so damn good and in the end this one again in it in honestly with all odds against him i end up really liking this show and it doesn't even really say much um <laughs> which played right now yeah exactly it played right now and i ended up enjoying it it was just a it's a fun silly ass office comedy style well written thing with a great cast and it's it's definitely worth a you know i would put that in your dinner time slot instead of dave instead of dave yeah dave go go for after dinner after dinner dave is That's a, smart dave's an after dinner <laughs> or, and you know what even then it's like if you're trying to get laid with your girlfriend or boyfriend after dinner <laughs> maybe don't watch dave that's all, yeah. Because you're not a Netflix and chill show. It's a new. Hulu and Hulu and think and laugh show. It's a smoke weed and giggle together show. It's not a we're going to make love after this because we're horny show. That's not how you're going to feel about it. <laughs> what is your what's your what's your make love and get horny show though? You know, just for all the people that out there that that need to set the tone. Yeah, sure. Um, that would be Succession. Nothing turns me on like uh, uh, white people telling each other to fuck off. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's what gets me going. More on the floor, baby. <laughs> we're gonna be a cu- baby. We're gonna be a couple boards on the floor in about ten minutes. Here, know what I'm saying? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> okay, you want to do a top five? That's my review. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's let's go top five today. Uh, as 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 you know, we like to pick an actor or an actress and discuss their top five films in their catalog. We like to go with veterans. As a result, wouldn't make much sense to go with the 26 year old. Today, we're doing. Angelina Jolie, um, one of the more famous, accomplished, well-known female actor actresses in in, in all of the history of Hollywood. Um, certainly in our lifetimes, she's done everything from like what was it, Mister and Mrs. Brooks was Mr. one and of Mrs. Smith. Smith, put some respect on that name. I will not. Uh, that's one that I, for whatever reason, when I watched it in high school, I, I hated it. I thought it was one of the worst movies I've ever seen, and I w- I've never been able to go back as a result. Okay. Um, but she's done shit like that. She's done shit like Changeling, which is an uh, unbelievably impactful. Like she made, she went from a, a respected young hot actress to like only the sex symbol version of that to like then the fully blown director power hollywood female badass that she is now right yeah and to see her sort of transformation through all these different stages in her life and in her films has been crazy so she's a fun one to do her top 10 um barrett any comments on angelina jolie's career before we start i I do i do have i do have some comments um angelina jolie 
certainly sticks out in my mind as one of the ultimate pop culture icons of my adolescence and kind of teenage years. Yeah. Um, there can be no forgetting the makeout with her brother, which I believed happened at the Oscars. On the red carpet. On the red carpet. I believe in um, front of their I, father. It, who is John Voigt. Um, <laughs> yes. Noted Fox News contributor. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was the, I don't think it was the same year, but I also vividly remember uh, at one award show, I think it was the Oscars again, where she showed up with then husband Billy Bob Thornton. And they acknowledged just um, having sex in the limousine on the way to the award show, and they were wearing vials of blood around each other's uh, necks. Each other, she wore the blood, blood. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton blood vial on her necklace, yeah. On her neck, and he had, yeah, uh-huh. Love that. So, I mean, by the way, I'm sure that, that the sex that was going on was just absolutely hot as hell. Oh, it had to have been. When you're wearing vials of blood, of each, o- each other's blood around your neck... That's just really that's that's a level that not many people achieve, I think, on on, um, you know, as a as a sexual pinnacle. That's the sexual dream to be wearing. So you have to you you have to respect that, I I, I think Um, my other. So so that's that's look, man. And she she was she's the hot blonde in Gone in 60 Seconds and then Lara Croft and then, you know, the the adulteress, the sultry adulteress who. Stole Brad away from Jen Aniston, like yep. you know, like she's just, she just has this 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 aura about her, which is kind of she's kind of the, she, she was growing up like always kind of the bad girl, the sexy right? bad she girl, was yeah, the sexy bad girl. Um, as and, and I I do, obviously that's what it felt like at the time. So I, I apologize for if if that's my my early to mid 2000s misogyny uh, rearing its ugly head. No, um, she had a vial vial of blood around her neck and was making out with her brother on the red carpet. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I remember most fondly. So here's the other note that I have about Angelina Jolie. And this might tie in to how I I grew up with her as a presence in my life. I've actually never seen any of her good movies. (laughs) Like her truly touted, critically acclaimed movies. I've never seen Gia. I've never seen Girl Interrupted. Um, I've never seen Changeling, which you mentioned. Damn. Okay. Uh, I've never seen Playing by Heart. Uh, I didn't see The Good Shepherd. I haven't seen that um, one. I haven't seen Playing so by Heart or The Good Shepherd. At, at, I, I, I never saw. Now it wasn't highly reviewed, but it was another drama. I believe one she did with Brad Pitt. Her husband at the time was called was By the Sea in 2015. Um, but what I will say at, to her credit is that. Going back through her filmography and kind of putting together my favorite movies of of Angelina Jolie, I think that she is the all-time best action movie actress, female actor, uh, ever. Yeah, I can't. In terms of A-list? If you want a badass female action star, it does not get better than Angelina Jolie. Yep, her a lot of her biggest movies were action movies where she's doing crazy badass. Uh, like once she showed that she could do that with Lara Croft, there was a lot more of that in the pipeline. I think. Yeah. So that's um, you know that that's how that's how she stands out to me. So I know she's done quite a bit more than that, but but for me, my my favorites are are all of her best action movies. Let me say, well, let me just jump into my my five because 
part of what you know three of the movies you named that you haven't seen are in my are going to be in my five but first okay. my fifth and uh uh my number five movie on my list is one that i only recently watched considering how long it's been out was the bone collector it came out in in 1999 it's her and denzel washington that's a great movie yeah and for somehow, this is one that like I was aware of for years and years and years, but it kind of eluded me. I just never got to it. I finally did. Really enjoyed it. I'm a big fan of like these serial killer thriller cop style. I love that shit. I love true crime. I love any of the like. This one feels like it had the same sort of vibes as like Seven, almost like these '90s gritty, whatever. This is my number five, and again, it's one that I didn't see until more recently. Whereas I, the rest of my list. Was it's been a while since I've seen an Angelina Jolie movie, dude. Yeah, well, and I mean, it, the, recently she's really done Maleficent and not much else. Focused basically on that series and then doing her whatever, you know, phil- philanthropic and what, whatever other other stuff she does. Philanthropic, obviously she's got, you know, a large brood. So she's- um, Lots of kids, you know, yeah. She spends a lot of time with her kids. She's been behind the lens, of course. Yep. Uh, but but yeah, really, I, I mean, she's done voice stuff with the Kung, uh, Kung Fu Panda films. Um, but yeah, not not right. I mean, over the last five years, really not not a ton. And I will say, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and Kung Fu Panda can be my four because Kung Fu Panda is is one of the top five greatest movies top, of all time. That's right. Of you, all time. You are. We can't talk about Angelina Jolie and and not talk about one of the top five greatest movies of all time she's in, been. in your humble opinion. Yes. Uh, I was once filmed on a vine exclaiming that Kung Fu Panda, I was quite intoxicated, was, uh, <laughs> was one of the greatest movies ever made. And literally, I, I said top five of all time. Uh, we'll see if we can dig that up for you and put it out there. But I just want to say that I, I don't stand by that drunken opinion <laughs> in 2020. <laughs> Um, but I will put Kung Fu Panda in my number four Angelina Jolie slot, which means you now have to give us your five and four. Um, okay, my five and my four, huh? Uh, th- there is there there is one more thing that I, I wanted to mention here before we jump in. Indeed. Um, I, I want to talk about a movie that did not make my top five, but is it's a it's a classic Barrett movie. Okay. Um, a Barrett movie requires big name actors and actresses. Some type of sexy setting, whether it's um, being on boats in Italy or uh, racing cars on the streets of L.A. Um, It requires a very silly plot, some good action sequences, and that's about it. It just it's all around. It's got the it's it's got the visual sensation to it, but very little. You know, very little meat to really chew on. No consequences. Know? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> very little thought given to the movie afterwards. And so, one that she stars in that is right up that alley for me is the tourist, uh, co-starring Johnny Depp. I forgot about this one. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a fantastic, just like cooking dinner, have it on in the background movie. Um, Two huge names with with Depp and Angelina Jolie. Just good just, looking people. Just good looking people. Tour de force on screen. Who really cares what anybody's saying? Yeah. Um, okay. So my five, uh, I'm gonna say is is gone in sixty seconds, which which I briefly mentioned before. 
Um, but that kind of, for me, I think that is what I would say put Angelina Jolie on my radar. And um, this is look. I'm 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 sorry to have to do this to our listeners here, but I, I'm going to talk about a, a couple of things that I just find really attractive. One is like very fake blonde hair, mm-hmm. and that's that's not like a top thing for me. But people that aren't supposed to be blonde, then they go blonde. That is just somehow like that is that's like it has this weird allure to it. Sure, and and. In no instance more so than Angelina Jolie in Gone in 60 Seconds. She is a leather-wearing, car-stealing badass. Um, and that's that's just like I, it, it belongs on my list because I've already talked about when we did Nick Cage how informative that movie was to my teen years um, and, my, and just, you know, me become, becoming a person. Uh, and so it, it's on my top five for Angelina as well. Love that. So, uh, number four, I'm I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go Tomb Raider here. Wow. Yeah. And this Again. is this is because of a lack of options, frankly, on your part. This is your fault. No, this is because my entire my my collection of favorite Angelina Jolie movies is all action movies. Yeah. But Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. I don't even remember a single scene from the movie. Well, here here's one thing that you need to know about Tomb Raider. Uh-huh. It stars my man's, my man's that I rides for, Ian Glenn, aka Jorah Mormont, as a villain. Holy so shit! So it's got that going for her. Okay, that's for, huge. For it, it also uh, stars a, as of yet not that famous Gerard Butler. You are correct, sir. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's just it's it is it is a fun. Action flick. More star power than you realize. More star power than you realize. The story of it all is 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 hokey, but honestly pretty fun. Sure. You know? I agree. It's 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 got like an Indiana Jones type feel to it. Yeah. I, I think it was heavily inspired by all that with the ruins and the temples and the 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 mythology, that type of thing. Yeah. Um and Angelina Jolie was, I mean, uh, she was born to play Lara Croft. Like that's it just is what it is. Yeah, it's and, like they and, they saw into the future and that she existed, and they built that video game character to look like her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's it's just a it's another great like B movie that um, just got a lot of star power and a lot of action. Fair enough. My number three is Salt, where she plays the uh, accused Russian spy, and this is. Or I actually no, I just flat out would say this is her best action movie. I think. So Salt is my number two. Okay. Uh, and it is a really, really solid. Like it, it's she's female born, and it's badass movie. Yep. I it didn't get the shine that it, it probably deserved based on it, how good it was. When I finally watched it, I was like, shit, dude, this was like, because like you said, Angelina Jolie is very fun to see as a female badass action role. Yes, I believe that Salt was her best version of that in terms of the movie as a whole. It was just very intense. It was fun as fuck to watch. She's kicking ass. There's levels to so, it, layers to it. You don't really know what's what. A, a movie that I feel like is is kind of a is uh, or the, Salt is a predecessor to a more recent movie that I feel like got a lot more credit, but it kind of owes its whole thing to Salt. Is it J Law's movie? Blonde. Which one? What'd you say? Oh, Atomic Blonde. Atomic Blonde with Charlize Theron. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. 
but very, very similar where I think like, oh, I, I'm, I'm, I actually haven't seen Atomic Blonde. I just know that it was well received, um, 78% on Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, I, I believe that Charlize Theron is kind of like she plays a kind of is she good or is she bad action star. You know, she's a badass. There's a ton of action sequences, fight scenes, all that. I, I just feel like it. it's kind of it's got that kinship with uh, with salt, Did, which which predates it by by many years. The other one that makes me th- it makes me think of is Red Sparrow, the J Law one. Mm-hmm. Same yep. sort of vibe, real sexy, but like again, Red Sparrow. I don't. I just didn't really have. Well, speaking of, she's got all the blonde wigs and shit going in that movie. Absolutely, Red's, yeah. And so, in Atomic so Blonde. Salt, salt is your number three. It's my number two. My number three is is uh, is is one that was near the bottom of your list. It's Mister and Mrs. Smith. Oh my god, that's insanity. <laughs> hey, look, I need to go back and watch this one again to see what it was, Barrett. Because I'll tell you, I watched it with a girl in high school. And there's no reason this movie should have been unenjoyable to me, and I found it to be terrible. And I was like 17. Like, who the fuck was I to think a Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie movie that created one of the spiciest affairs of our lifetime was terrible? That Right. It, that is surprising. And the chemistry between the two of them on screen is, is so palpable, is so high. Oh, yeah. It's what makes the movie good. Okay. Like, the, like the plot is very, very silly. It is a... It is a B action movie. You know what I mean? Like it's well done. It's got great visuals, but what makes this movie hum is the fact that you know you know what happened after they filmed this movie and it just reads so true on screen. Yeah. Which makes it a and lot that's, of fun. And that's that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's fair. <laughs> I need to go back and give it another list or a view, like I said. Um I'll jump to my two. And this is my oldest one from her on my list, I believe. And it's Gia. If you never watched this, it came out in 1998, and it's one of the movies that first like put her on the actor spotlight. Yes, and it's it on at least via Rotten Tomatoes in 1998. Obviously, it wasn't the Rotten Tomatoes wasn't RT then, but uh, it's it's 92% rated, so it's actually her highest. It's her highest rated um, film. Okay, it's also an HBO film. So it's on okay. HBO Go and Max if you want to go watch it. It's one of those ones that, you know, when HBO has a, a – when it's HBO Pictures, it's available forever on their shit. Um, so that's where I watched it a couple years back. I watched Gia, and it is a story about – she plays Gia Marie Car- – I can't remember how to pronounce the last name. But she's a model in New York City, and she becomes, like, the hottest model in the world, basically – and derails on drugs and and like you know the high of that fame and sex and celebrity and uh it it you know she becomes a heroin addict but it's very good uh, very well done very well acted for how old it is it's aged incredibly well and it really shows you sort of what america's and hollywood's initial obsession with her was also mila kunis plays her like childhood version of her in this movie oh interesting at age 11 yeah yeah I, I just did a quick quick search on the movie and gia karanji is considered by some to kind of be the first supermodel ever so that's her playing an actual real life yes person, yes gia that's karanji. a yeah that is a um let me let me get this right here i know i've been called out on this one before I, that is a biopic a biopic a biopic it's not biopic I've always called it a biopic, I think. I think that's what I've been saying my whole life, and that's wrong. 
it's apparently biopic. Biopic. Which, that's just, I, that's too easy. Like, I don't know. I just, I, I've always felt like it was biopic. I still buy biopic, Barrett. I think everyone else is wrong and we're right. You think? <laughs> that, look, that's, in, in 2020, we're allowed to have our truths. Yes. If we just say it onto a recording, into a camera... It automatically becomes true. That is what I. That is what I've. That's learned. how the internet works. That's so, how the world works. Yes. That, Thank yes. you for reminding me that uh, Gia is the story of an actual real life model. That would have been a, a real shame for me to gloss over. And yes, it is super cool to see the nineteen uh, whatever eighties, I guess, version of fashion houses and Armani and Christian Dior and Versace and Yves Saint Laurent and all these conversations around all these different brands that we now know to be so prevalent sort of in that up-and-coming hot 80s fashion zone uh, yeah. and all the things surrounding the 1980s and drug use and sort of some of the same shit that like almost American Psycho addresses-ish. Gia's awesome. If you never watched it and it's one that slipped past you, I was in the same boat until a few years back and it's uh, my second favorite Angelina Jolie movie ever. Highly, highly recommended. I'd give it like a 9 out of 10. Yeah, wow. Yeah, Jeez. yeah. Gia, Lyra, Billy Costa. <laughs> just a reminder, um, I never even watched that show. I just, after this first couple when I bounced, and I, <laughs> I will never forget Billy Costa's name. Billy Costa. Um, yeah, so what's your, what, what do you got as your number one? My number one is Changeling. Um, okay. It's the most impactful work of hers for me, and it's, it's uh, one of the most fucked up movies I've ever seen, frankly. In terms of the story and what this woman endures, and uh, frankly, it's also prevalent because it shows you that police in this country have been a, a problem, not just for black people, and for a very, very, very long time. And that there are, I mean, it's like, it really, honestly, if you watched it right now and you've never seen it, it would just show you a whole other angle of where things have gone awry in this in this arena, and it's, it's, she's, I believe, did she direct it as well? Let me pull up to, I, I want to double check, but I believe I, I she think did. that's right. I think that's right. Yeah. And it, it was like her first, oh, directed by Clint Eastwood. I apologize. Oh, okay. So it was the okay. combination of those two that ended up making this so incredible in 2008. She crushes her role. Uh, he directed, produced, and scored it. And then it was written by J. Michael Straczynski. And it explores child endangerment. Uh, female disempowerment, political corruption, the mistreatment of mental health patients. It gets into all these different arenas that have become more important than ever in America and or more top of mind than ever in our lifetime. And it's also just an incredibly powerful and disturbing story. It, well, this was not a hard decision for me, as change, Changeling being my number one. And, and I gave Gia a nine. So that should tell you how much I enjoyed this one. And, in, yeah, and, in, and by enjoyed, I mean respected and appreciated it and its message. It is not an enjoyable film in the sense that you sit down and enjoy yourself. It kicks your ass the entire time. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's a good that's, – that's a – that's high praise. That's that's well a good review there of, of change. Thank that you. sounds like one. Um, yeah, that that we need we all need to to take a look at. Um, I'm going to go in the complete opposite direction. Good, my good, number good. one is one of is is one of my favorite uh, action movies of all time, and it's Wanted. I'm actually very <laughs> I'm 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 not I guess I'm not surprised it's on your top five. But this is a 
See, there are two, there are two strains of Barrett movies. Sure. Some, like The Tourist, are not very good movies. But then there's the upper echelon of Barrett movies, such as uh, some of the a, a few of the Fast and Furious films, and such as Wanted, that are actually really like well executed, well thought out, well written, well acted, well executed, and visually stunning movies. And for me, Wanted falls into that that upper echelon category of these movies. Um, here again is is something that this movie specifically did for me i i am now attracted to like females with tattoos because of angelina jolie and wanted yes the scene where she uh whatever drops the towel and is either going to a bath or some type of situation you see all she's the tattoos. getting in like a cool bath at the like a like a some type of weird you know mythical bath yeah, but, thing but then the, she's got the tats like on under her arms on her arm there's like a big arms. back tattoo and like she's they, they just keep all of her actual tattoos as well and it's just very it's sexy my goodness ross it's it's sultry it's sexy yeah um on top of uh, of that she just plays a, another ultimate badass in this movie this movie this also this movie also has great performances from james mcavoy and um morgan freeman yes and this yep. is this is an underrated one, Barrett. In fairness, it's got a little it's it's got a little cameo from Chris Pratt, even pre Parks and Rec fame. Did it? Yeah, I, I don't uh, remember that. It's, it's it's also here's what's cool about it. This is this movie was based on a comic book series, just not one from Marvel or DC. So that that's a that's kind of how it has a lesser known one. Um, but that's why. You know, if you if you if you watch this movie and you're kind of curious about the origin of the story, like how they came up with the fraternity and like the bending bullets and like all that type of stuff, that's because it's all from a comic. Book, okay. Okay. A comic book series, so it kind of has that. It it's we we talk all the time about like whether you're pulling stuff from from an already existing IP. That's one way to get good story, or you just have to be a brilliant storyteller. Yes. This one w- was already existing uh, intellectual property that they were able to to adapt for. Um, for the screen. Um, shocking that this movie never got a sequel. It is a little shocking, especially considering that it did incredibly well worldwide in theaters. The budget was an estimated $75 million, and cumulatively worldwide it did 342463000 so it's not like they didn't crush it. Yeah, I mean, that's a wild success. Yes. Um, but I, and I would have... Now, a sequel might not feature Angelina Jolie because of the ending of the movie, sure. but it definitely would have James McAvoy... Who's another, A-lister. you know, I love watching him on, on screen, and, and this is one of my favorite uh, roles of his as well. I, I need to see him come out and be like Mr. Assassin Man again, so. I'm going to give you some credit uh, here. It's just an, this... it's, it's an all-around, it's a very, very fun film with a little bit more substance than something like Mr. and Mrs. Smith or The Tourist or, um, you know, some of these other movies that, that are kind of action-y schlock this this one to me has a little bit more going on. The upper echelon Barrett tier of uh, Barrett movies, yeah. yeah. No, and I, I yeah. think that's fair, and I, I want to. That's where the credit is due. I had almost forgotten that I even watched this, and I remember it was one of those movies when I watched it that I was like, "Damn, this is pretty tight. This is like a lot better than I thought it would be. This is fucking tight." Yeah, yeah. Because um, when you, I saw the trailer and I was like, "Ah, oh, come on, man, this looks silly as hell. Like, <laughs> what the fuck?" But then it is because it has that comic book backing to it 
that when you watch it, you don't feel like they're just bullshitting some Hollywood fuckery. Yeah. Like it has. Right, exactly. Yes. It has something of substance behind it and it's it's legit. It's just, uh, you know, it's a Barrett movie, but it's a it's yeah, definitely it in that upper tier of Barrett movies. Great movie wanted. Solid one. Yeah, well, if there it, well, there's one thing that that we've learned here, it's that you have some uh, some homework to do on Angelina Jolie's action movies, I and I have some homework to do on Angelina Jolie's critically acclaimed movies. And that's why we host this show together. <laughs> you complete me, Barrett. <laughs> and now it's time for your segment, tidbits and such with Barrett. Yes, yes, it's finally time for tidbits, the moment that you've all been waiting for. Um, first, I wanted to. Flashback to Dave real quick, sure. and I wanted to ask you if you realize who is playing Els. No. That is um, Taco from the Odd Future Gang. I knew this fucker looked familiar. I knew so, I knew this dude from somewhere. That's where I know him from. Flashback five, flashback five, six, seven years ago, and you look up all the pictures of Tyler and Earl Sweatshirt There's and Taco. All, their whole gang. This is Taco, a.k.a. Travis Bennett. Holy... And, um, you know, he used to have, like, much long... He, he wore his hair, like, in a, in a pretty, you know, in an afro a lot. Um, but he was... Man, he was right there along with all these guys uh, as, as Odd Future blew up and, and did the Camp Flognall and, and all that stuff. It's just kind of shocking to see him all grown up now and featured in this in this role on Dave with Lil Dicky it's he's great in the, on the show um and uh it it's crazy because one one of the things i remember like as as odd future kind of grew up is that i remember taco was uh good friends with Kendall Jenner he was he'd be like there'd be like paparazzi photos of Kendall walking with taco and, like, would then be, it'd like be like and oh and also there's this odd future guy who's like not really that big of a celebrity but it's this guy named taco from odd future and he'd be hang, and he'd be like he was running with Kendall and Gigi and, and that, that crew. You know, one of the things I noticed when I watched Dave is it feels like there was an acknowledgement among all these dudes. Like, look, none of us really know what the fuck we're doing here. Let's, we're going to, we all, we're in this together sort of thing. Because it's like there's no ego in this show. No, I don't think a lot of these guys are very experienced <laughs> and they did yeah, such. That's, that's a great point. Yeah. They such a good job of like maintaining that, like where, as an example, Taco, or I guess Travis Bennett's character, Els, is fucking hilarious and is allowed to like shine in these different moments. Mm-hmm. I think as a result of that comfort level that all these people creating this show, they, it's very clear that everyone involved in Dave had a very clear vision and understood yeah. what they were doing and was on the same page. It was not haphazardly, again, thrown together or something like that. And And man, that's crazy. I can't believe that one didn't register for me, though, because... <laughs> now I now that I'm rethinking it, obviously I see his face flashing in all these odd futures things, and I'm like, oh my god, that's that's why I recognize him. But damn it, I should have just looked it up. By Good the way, tidbit. it's also just it's it's wild that like that odd future coming up was basically a decade ago. Yep. Like that's it doesn't it feels like that was recent, but man, I mean Ty- Tyler specifically has obviously come such a long way. From some of that original stuff to uh, to Igor, dude, I wouldn't even. That's like it feels insulting. To put it that way though, because there was shit on that original album, his first album, album or whatever, uh, uh-huh. Goblin, I believe it was called, like Yonkers. 
That's an all-time rap song to me. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, there's, there's, and music video. I mean, in the video for the video for Yonkers was, it might have birthed yeah. Billie Eilish out of its ass. I'm serious, <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. But that was, yeah, Goblin was 2011. Man, isn't that crazy? Well, it's also, you know, what it is, dude. It's because we felt a little bit older already. Like when Tyler and Odd Future came out, I was like, okay, this is the next wave. These kids are younger than me. I don't quite get it. Yes, but yes. I, I'm down with this vibe. But it's also insane. And I'm like, you know what I mean? It wasn't us. It was below us. And that's what makes it feel even older when you see like. Yeah. Like we were not the, we were not the target. We were not the core audience of Odd Future when they were blowing up. And and now you're watching Tyler accept speech, uh, giving an acceptance speech that indirectly results in them literally renaming the category at the Grammys because he's the dude who got on stage and was like. Can y'all stop putting the word urban on everything I do? What the fuck is wrong with you? It's just a way to say the N-word without saying it. Um, yeah. And then yeah. inevitably this past few weeks that got tank- uh, got changed finally. Yep. That's yes. a random tidbit. What else? Um, okay. Uh, so I did finally have a chance to start The Last of Us. I made it all the way through the intro into the into the 20 years later piece of the, the, of the story. That's line. huge. So, um, and I, just a quick story here. I started playing this game. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do minor spoilers here. It's so a video game I, that I, came I'm out sh- a long ass time ago. It, yes, it's that's one thing that I didn't realize that this video game came out in like 2014. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I'm sitting there playing, and like the first thing you're doing, the fr- the first thing you're doing is you're controlling this little girl character, and she's walking around her home and picking up stuff, and I see some Austin, Texas things come up. She picks up the newspaper and it's like, it's, you know, the Austin Statesman or whatever. And it's talking about Austin. And I was like, so my first reaction to that was, damn, it's been so long since I played video games. They now have stuff that like reads your IP address where you're playing from and like inserts your city onto the, <laughs> to the newspaper that you, you picked. You dumbass. And, and then like five minutes later, you're in a car driving away from the house and it's got like signs that say Austin in one way, San Marcos in the other. And I'm like, okay, wait a second. <laughs> it can't possibly be this intelligent <laughs> where it's like pulling up the maps and the the street signs that would be <laughs> where you're playing. <laughs> so I, I, once, once I got through the intro, I looked it up and the story of The Last of Us is based in Austin, Texas. That's where it starts. That's where it all starts. I, I so completely that's kind of, forgot to mention this when we discussed the HBO. That's really crazy. The HBO pickup, dude, because- I imagine they will likely film it here. It, I mean, it, it's at this point, it's always tough to say. There have been, there have been. So, uh, Andy Greenwald, the guy, the one of the co-hosts of The Watch, who just um, had his show uh, Briar Patch run for its first season yeah. on USA. That show is set in Texas, and they filmed in Albuquerque, New Mexico, because of all the. Because of all the tax breaks and and kickbacks that they get. And so while some stuff is still filmed in Texas, Texas is not nearly as friendly to the film and entertainment industry as they once were with all that type of stuff. So there's a lot of incentive to go go shoot in other places. Now, HBO has the cash to shoot wherever the hell they want. The Leftovers famously is a show that did film in Texas. Like it was set in Texas, it filmed in Texas. Um, so if, if they want to stay true to the story, um, then they, then they can absolutely shoot here. 
Uh, Fear the Walking Dead is a show that still shoots in and around the Austin area. It's another that's another big budget production. So as long as they're not like trying to scrape by on a on a you know on a smaller budget, they people still shoot in and around Austin and in Texas. Okay, cool. So. So there, there's a good shot that they do at least film some stuff here, unless they just change the story to to fit another location. Yeah, and that's another thing. It's was crazy. I, I totally forgot, man. But when you start playing that game and you realize you're set in Austin, it's a whole other level of like, oh fuck, it's it's a scary yeah. ass game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't gotten to anything super scary yet, but uh, but yeah, oh, it's definitely coming. definitely a zombie game. Um, okay, in more Hollywood pandemic related news oh good the the oscars have been pushed until april of next year now oh wow and that's that's really a direct result of all of these films getting pushed back that will be an interesting thing to keep an eye on how the longer term award show season is affected by this covid fallout yeah um and uh, again push back Tenant, which we were looking forward to in the middle of yeah. July, as kind of maybe the theater, maybe the movie that would be that would bring people back to the theaters, has been pushed by two weeks, and I have heard murmurs that that is like a kind of a test to see the what the reaction is around that film that particular film getting pushed, and that that might just be a precursor to it getting pushed to the fall or the winter, or or even possibly getting pushed all the way to next summer. Because here is here's a bit of a just a, a a bit of factoid information. Christopher Nolan has a spe- has a special affinity affinity for releasing films on that particular week in July. And I believe if you go look at his filmography, pretty much every movie that he's ever released, you know, from Dunkirk to Inception to all the Dark Knight trilogy to Interstellar, I think they were all released on th- like that specific July week. So he's very much got like that, uh, you know, a, a foothold on that time right. frame, and he likes releasing his. So films if he misses there. it, there's a reason to believe he could wait till next year. Y- yeah, you yep. also have to look at it like this: for the studio, for Nolan, uh, really for everyone involved, it, it is an investment, right? It's a project. It's it's something that you don't want to put all that work into, and then put it out at a time that you think it might not get the reception or attention it deserves, and. Most importantly, unfortunately, in the case of the studio, they want to make sure they get their money back. If they put this movie out and it's still nobody's ready to go to theaters yet, that's a problem. So I could very easily see them holding something like Tenet where it's like, listen, it's got the hype, but they definitely pulled the marketing budget at about the time they needed to. People that aren't super focused on movies are not remembering that this is a thing that might happen. And uh, I don't think they would lose that much in terms of hype if we did have to wait till next summer because frankly right now hype in hollywood as a movie thing isn't doesn't exist yeah and it and it it uh, you know they've they have done the they've done a marketing campaign here for tenant in in some way shape or form which is obviously a, a big piece of the expense that's a that's that costs they, a they lot do of commercials money. yeah but it was limited you know what i'm saying right but right exactly but it doesn't feel like they went all the way with that it still it does feel like they were able to pull back a little bit with anticipation and so yeah this movie tenant is one that is going to or should have pre-pandemic been an absolute box office smash 
So I, well, I don't really know what they're losing by pushing another year. I mean, you do lose some of the... It's weird. This is It's never really happened before where a movie that's this hyped up and this anticipated gets pushed a whole year. But if you really just want to have this be a massive, massive like rollout and success and be a big summer box office smash... That it might it might make sense. You I gotta mean, wait and see the dust. No stuff, matter yeah. what, no matter what, I'm gonna I'm gonna be hyped whenever this movie comes out. So if it's uh, if it's this summer or if it's later this fall or if it's all the way to next summer, I'm I'm gonna be stoked no matter what. Uh, just a quick clam fam correction. I'm I'm looking up the release dates of these movies. Uh, Interstellar was actually released in October, uh, but the but Dark Knight and um, Inception both had those July releases. And uh, it, yeah, I, I know that some of his other films had the had that July release. As yeah, well. and that you know summertime. Dunkirk, Dunkirk did that makes so, sense. Yeah. It's like it's historically great time to drop a film, but right now, yeah, not so fucking much. Yes. Um, okay, and my final tidbit here, I, I'll just I'll, it's it's Outer Banks related. Mm-hmm. So I'm just gonna since I'm almost finished with Outer Banks, I've just got one more episode. I'll just give you a little brief synopsis of of what we've got going here on these later episodes and then next week we'll close out outer banks as a season it, yeah right on uh, it, it's gone it's gone full-blown soap opera though and now every episode is ending with a big cliffhanger oh usually usually with a deadly weapon pointed at somebody um the guy that i mentioned whose dad had to go beat up a drug dealer for him uh-huh. has gone full-on sociopath cool and is now he's spoiler alert He's now murdering sheriffs and pointing guns at people. You say sheriffs? Lighting, lighting sheriffs. Yeah, Sher- one sheriff, one okay. sheriff. Okay, okay. He's lighting buildings on fire. He's just, he is off the rails, Ross, and he needs to be stopped. That guy's name is Rafe, by the way. Uh, R-A-F-E or R-A-I-F, I'm not sure. There's but, a Rafe um, in the video game uh, it, that I like. Well, so the, there's a Rolls Royce Wraith. Also, yeah. And it's almost like they wanted to name him after a Rolls Royce, but they were like, well, that's a little too over the top. So let's pull it back one and call him Rafe. R-A-F-E. Rafe. Gotta get the stars in the ceiling, Barrett. Yeah. Real, real, um, just real wild stuff happening that there. That sounds fun. Um, one that We're looking for the treasure. One guy, one of the pogues, he just completely blew off his big scholarship interview oh. to go help with the treasure. Seems like a real boneheaded move, if you classic ask me. Pug. But look, classic, pu- right? Exactly. And and I mean, when there's the, there's just nothing like the allure of treasure, Ross, of gold bars. Nothing, nothing. If there's one thing that's going to pull you away from your responsibilities as as a person, it is the it's it it's the you know it's gold. It's the draw. It's the draw of a of 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 buried treasure. I love gold. I love gold. Smoking a pancake. Um, okay, on to the uh, the tidbit news mm. though. John B. On the Pogues. Yes. Sarah Cameron, originally on the Kooks. She she was she became a free agent and signed with the Pogues. Dating in real life. They they're dating in real life. I saw yes. a hot photo of them. Because yeah. they just came out and announced Which, this, basically, right on social media. They did. They did. They, they. He. He posted on Instagram. He said the cat's out of the bag, and it just got me thinking. We talked about Angelina and Brad we already, did. but look, if you're Chase Stokes, and and you get cast in this show, that has to be one of the perks 
of being a young actor and getting put on on a show or a movie. I'm sh- I, I'm sure that Miles Teller and Zac Efron and those guys like I, I could I could do the research. They've dated co- they've dated co-stars, and I feel like that's it's it's extremely likely. Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart from yeah. Twilight. Like if you're a young young actor in your 20s, like this, like this is almost a it's it's almost a given. Yeah, because well, if you think about it, Jennifer Lawrence and Nicholas Holt on uh, on X Men sets, like like this just I, I mean. They they sign up your co-star and it's just like, hey, we're putting you two together on this show because you're both hot and young and you have great chemistry. And you're the same age on usually. the uh, on the screen tests and you're very close to the same age. Um, like chances are, you know, it's, something's going to happen off screen. It's here. the same reason there's so much sex on college campuses. You put a ton of people who are the same age in a relatively similar demographic in the same place with a shit ton of alcohol. They're eventually going to have sex. If you put two people in a position, they're the same age, they're both hot, young, neither is committed, sometimes maybe they are, who cares, and uh, you stick them and they have to pretend to act that they want to fuck each other all the time, Yeah, you're yeah. probably going to end up wanting to. That makes sense. Yep. Just from a biological Absolutely. standpoint. So, yeah. so good, for, good for those two lovebirds. Huge. Um, you know, I, w- I wish them the best, but we've got a real life... A real-life Pogue and Kook love story happening. Amazing stuff, Barrett. One magical storyline coming out of this uh, shitstorm that is 2020. <laughs> yeah. Finally, some good news. Am Any right? other tidbits and such? Uh, that that will wrap it up for this week's edition of Tidbits and Such. Fant- I would argue your best yet. Thank you. I, I wanted to say, um, before we go here, I have watched episode one of season one of Avatar... The Last Airbender. Ah, uh, yes. And it yes. took me... You're, you're 22 minutes in. A vi- yes. It took me a very... Exactly. A very long time to take this step. And I was very hesitant, mostly because of the Nickelodeon tag. I will not lie to you. Something about the concept of a Nickelodeon... And I've been told now that this is not anime, technically, maybe. I don't fucking know what classifies as anime anymore. Okay. Uh, that... N- that on Nickelodeon, like it just didn't ring true to me. All these people are like, it has so much depth. The storytelling, it's one of the best stories no, I've ever had. That, yeah, man, we grew up with Keenan and Kel and all that. Like that, you're telling me that this is on the same network as that. It, it, it's very, it's a similar way as to like, you see a trailer for the first time and it looks awesome, and then it comes up as PG-13, and that's like, yes. you, you kind of feel disappointment because you know that it's not going to go all the way. Yes, with like, with what it could have been had there been. No parameters put on this thing, right? And now, obviously, it's, that's how that's how it feels to say for for these people that are telling us, like, yeah, it's a Nickelodeon show that that goes deep. It just it yeah, it it doesn't ring tr- right. Totally so true. what I did is I I'm not saying those people are wrong, by the way. It's just that's the that's the feeling that it it, it it's it a elicits. branding issue, is what it is. Right and now, having well, I'll tell you first of all what finally got me in is I went and read some about the show and why it is so popular and such this like cult classic like piece of uh, Americana now that I didn't realize was there. And it's because it dives into things like genocide and free thinking and totalitarianism, like total, like, it gets into shit that you are not supposed to get into on Nickelodeon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it is. It through one episode no. it does. What I'm, oh, okay. But I'm saying you can see, I can definitely see, have, having seen one episode, I went and read all that about it 
and then I watched the first episode. Gotcha. The first episode has okay. Okay. absolutely none of that depth. It just introduces you to the main characters and sort of sets you up in this world where you've got firebenders and airbenders and or fire nation and waterbenders and airbenders and everybody's looking for this last airbender and then some child is frozen in a fucking ice ball. Shit is insane. But by the, I mean, I'm in for this is, is the end of the the segment. I'm in to watch okay. Avatar The Last Airbender. It has been made clear to me that it has absolutely nothing to do with either Avatar or The Last Airbender. Oh, now see, I think there's some confusion on that because I was pretty sure that this predates both it does. films. And then both M. Night Shyamalan and James Cameron went off and they took their piece that they brought to this Nickelodeon series way back in the day. They joined forces <laughs> together to make the Nickelodeon show. James Cameron brought the Avatar. M. Night Shyamalan brought The Last Airbender. And they put these ideas together. And then they said, hey, screw you, man. I'm taking my idea and I'm making a movie out of it. And that's what yeah. happened. Um, no, it turns out uh, uh, that's not, not the what case. Okay. And uh, that was another deterrent to me getting in here and starting to watch it. I kept seeing it, you know, on Netflix. And I'd go, what the fuck is this? Like a half-assed version of a James Cameron movie mixed with the, what the joke you just made, basically. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Was, there's no appeal to this. I don't know what the fuck I'm looking at here. Nah, it's got nothing to do with any of that. Um, and I'm interested in it because I've never committed to watching a series like this and because I've never watched a cartoon that delves into the things that this allegedly does delve into inevitably. And I've, I, look, every single time enough of the members of the Clam Fam have screamed something at me, they've been right. And, and enough of them have screamed, you have to watch Avatar The Last Airbender at me to make me go, okay. So I'm in, I trust y'all. Episode one was fun. It didn't do anything crazy yet, obviously. It's 20 minutes or whatever, like Barrett said. Um, but I'm here. I'm actually doing it. Avatar The Last Airbender is a thing that's happening for me. I'm doing... This This is... The rest of this year is just going to be 20 minutes of me loving life in small intervals with Dave and fucking The Last Airbender and just laughing at Space Force and dumb shit. That's 2020 now. Yeah, yeah. It's really only going to be... You've got a... You've only got 11 more days of that, um, unfortunately. Don't want to burst Damn the it. bubble, but uh, dark comes back in in about 11 days so, so 11 more days of of just relatively so you've got 11 more living. days of of burying your head in these 20 minute uh lighthearted shows and Reality. then we're going to try to explain for the fourth time what the bootstrap paradox is i won't try again i i still don't think i've actually tried i think you've tried <laughs> so, uh, each season i've tried I'm going to read up on it. Don't don't you guys I worry. just like to not I dude, that doesn't help. That doesn't help. <laughs> I get more confused when I when I look into dark. When I start researching the shit mm. they're talking about, I get even more confused. I would rather just take it in my base level dumb brain and let myself go, scientists beep boop up, it's complicated and that's it. <laughs> What's well, going to be it's going to be a wild ride and I know that that is one that is one that people are, are demanding that we cover. So we will we will be covering that. Stay tuned to this. Ross and I have some, um, that one, because we have enough time to anticipate it, because we know it's coming out this time. We'll, we're going to figure out how we're going to break that down. 
so that you guys consume can consume it properly. So that we can watch it in in a reasonable amount of time. And by that, I mean like not in three days, like some of you weirdos, um, but also not stretch it out over yes, three months yes, either. Yes. So Yes, but prepare now. Dark is coming soon, and we will be consuming it and discussing it in a, in a, in a uh, not succinct, in a timely fashion. In a timely fashion. Yeah, we'll group, we'll group episodes together for sure. I don't think we're going to go one episode at a time, but probably two or three. Correct, Amundo. Anything else that we need to tell people to be looking out for before we bounce? Man, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think I'm gonna. I, I think I'm going to finally pull trig on on an on-demand movie that should have been in theaters. I think I'm gonna go King of Staten Island. I think I'm gonna watch this this movie here. Uh, it's doing all of the things I need a movie to do to get me to pay money to watch it in my home, Barrett. Yeah, I've not. I've not. I've not done one of these twenty dollar rentals yet but um this this might be the one remember barrett if you watch something that's twenty dollars for the pod it's a tax write-off i know i know, I know. your boy it, that is that's true we have that's a, true we have a whole thing set up now for this that is that is accurate it's free 99 the way i see it you don't even know what a te- what a write-off <laughs> is well the funny thing is but they the funny do thing is, i don't <laughs> I just know it's a thing. And that will do it for today's episode of OCC. Huge thanks to our sponsor for today, Felix Gray. Again, go to felixgrayglasses.com uh, and use the promo code that, uh, what is it? OCC. Yes, OCC. No promo code. Oh, felixgrayglasses.com slash OCC. No promo code. Slash OCC. Slash OCC. Yes. Thank you, Barrett. Um, this is an awareness campaign, people. And you should be aware that Felix Grays are great. Exactly. That's the gist of it. Follow <laughs> us on social media for updates on uh, when new episodes drop and on what we're watching again. Um, thank you all for bearing with us during what has been a very strange and weird few months on this show in particular, like in the world, but also on this show. Uh, we've got, I've got an employee, a full-time employee coming in next month to help me with stuff like managing our Instagram and our Twitter so that uh, we're not, it's not just, Barrett and I are able to do the podcast, obviously, but we're not able to give the show the attention it deserves on the social media and marketing side. That will be changing soon. Very excited to uh, bring y'all more on these social platforms. So follow us on Instagram at Oysters, Clams, Cockles, on Twitter at Clams and Cockles, and on Facebook.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. I'm Ross Bolin, and you can follow me at WRBolin at W-R-B-O-L-E-N on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, and listen to the Ross Bolin podcast wherever you listen to OCC. Mr. Dudley, where can we follow you and hear your voice? Yes, follow me at Barrett Dudley, Instagram and Twitter. And um, you can check me out on the Club Cool podcast. Just search for Club Cool wherever you're listening to OCC. Uh, we like to say that we meet at the intersection of style and pop culture. So if that, uh, that sounds up your alley, give us a listen. Until our next helping, goodbye, friends. Ooh.